John, the Gospel of John, chapter 13, beginning with verse 18. It says, Jesus, I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. After, these, after saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, what you are doing, what you are going to do, do quickly. No one at the table knew why he had said this to him. Some thought that he, that because because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. When he had gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself. And glory him at once. Glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while, I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I have said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You may be seated. From betrayal to glory. In our journey as we've been going through the book of John, we have seen a lot of things. You remember that the theme of the book of John is to tell us that Jesus is the Son of God, that He is God in the flesh. And as we've been journeying through this book, we are now at the point of around the time of the Passover. And uh, Jesus is in the upper room at the time of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, just prior to Passover. And there's a lot of things going on. And if we get to this point in the chapter... Uh, we had just talked about earlier the feet washing and how uh, 
Jesus had washed the disciples' feet, including that of Judas Iscariot, who was ultimately the one that would betray Jesus. And we talked about that foot washing was not just in terms of the regeneration that comes from God that cleanses us entirely from our sin, but also the fact of our sanctification. And our sanctification is the ongoing process by which God works on us day by day, moment by moment, to get us to be where we ought to be through the power and strength of the Holy Spirit and with our interaction with the Word of God. Amen? So as more of the Word gets in us, more of us are being able to be conformed to what God wants us to do. Now, I will admit and I will confess that I have yet to arrive to be fully what I ought to be. That's, that's my practical application, my daily, my daily walk with Jesus. There's some things I may have said. There's some things I may have done that would uh, sometimes not necessarily please the Lord. But, hey, I'm a work in progress. In the case you don't realize it, you too are a work in progress. And uh, day by day, but that has nothing to do with my position in Christ. I once saved, always saved. When Jesus died for us on the cross, he paid our debt in full in the matter of our penalty of sin. And I always use the analogy, it would be a wonderful thing if I got a letter in the mail that said all my bills are paid and done. And not only have they been paid, but I've given you extra money by which you can live on. You'll never have to worry the rest of your life about M-O-N-E-Y. I think on that day, if that was ever to come, if you've never heard a shout come from that part of the city of Wilmington, you would probably hear a great shout. Say, my God, what is going on? I would be like, glory! Hallelujah. Well, you know what? Jesus has done that and more for us. He paid a debt we could not pay. He did that for us because he loved us. And because of what he did for us, we ought to live each and every day asking the question, what can I do, Lord, to give back to you what you have given to me? But so many of us missed the part, missed the mark. So when we get to John chapter 13, we can ask a lot of questions. We can ask a question of how can someone be among the 12 be around Jesus, see the miracles that Jesus did, hear the words that Jesus spoke, and yet miss it entirely. How does that happen? How, how, how is it that, we're going to talk about Judas a little bit, how is it he was there and entirely missed the mark? And I know that you could take this a lot of different ways. I, I'll just summarize it by saying that all that Judas went through, he had the opportunity. It was his decision to do to betray Jesus. It was his decision to do all that he did. But he, his decision that he made, albeit wrong and, and sinful and not right, yet, as we learned today, God is in control of all circumstances. God is working behind the scenes, and God's going to use what Judas is going to do to ultimately glorify his son, Jesus Christ. And in this passage, you see all that's unfolding here, in beginning with verse number 18. He says, I am not speaking to all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture, that, the scripture, that the scripture might be fulfilled. 
He who ate my bread has lifted up his heel against me. In other words, they're at this reclining. They're sitting around the table. They're doing the Feast of Unleavened Bread just prior to Passover. Remember, because we talked about Jesus along, the, along this journey had always said, my time has not yet come. Up until recently, we said, all right, now the time has come that the scripture might be fulfilled, that all these things working together might lead me ultimately to the cross. It's around the time of the Passover. This is around Thursday night, Friday, and they're getting ready for the Passover. Jesus has to get to the cross. This is the last, really the last few days of Jesus in John chapter 13 to the end of the chapter. It's not months and years left. He's down to the time that he's getting ready to go. And John has given us a backdrop of all the interaction that Jesus is having with his disciples to show us what's going on. And part of the interaction is what is going on here with Judas and the disciples and what Jesus was trying to do. And Jesus is there. He's celebrating the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and he's got the the bitter wine, and they've got the herbs, and they got this mixture, and then they got the bread. And as Jesus is sitting there, notice what he says. He says, now look, in verse number 18, he says, look, he says, I'm not speaking of all of you. I know. Jesus says, I know whom I have chosen. But the scripture will be fulfilled. Scripture will be fulfilled tonight. Amen. I know whom I have chosen. It's a good thing to know that Jesus knows whom he has chosen. It kind of ties in with the eye, his eyes on the what? The sparrow. He, if you're his, he knows you. He knows all about you. He says, I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. In that culture, in Eastern culture, it was an insult to the person that was being the host that was showing hospitality for you to offend them. They consider if you were going to be, if you were being hospital and somebody didn't appreciate what you were doing, that was an offense to the person that was extending the hospitality. And here's Jesus at this time getting ready to show his hospitality. And here's the thing. Even though we find out later on that he knew who Judas really was, yet and still Jesus is patient with Judas all the way to the end. And what he's saying here by he lifted up his heel against me, he's saying, even though I have extended him the opportunity to come, to do, to be a part of, what he is doing, he has ultimately, by lifting up his heel against me, he has turned against me. Sometimes you can do all you can for people. You can extend to them all the friendship, all the courtesy, and for some reason, they do not appreciate what you have had. And I find this ironic that here is Jesus, because we're going to find out in a moment how he felt about all this. But here is Jesus giving to Judas the opportunity to appreciate what he had a privilege of being a part of. Someone said, you never miss your well till your water runs dry. And that's so true. Sometimes you don't appreciate what you have until... You no longer have it. I would say probably Brother Hart, now that he's on the road to recovery, all this pain and all this stuff. I mean, he can go back prior to all this before this happens. And man, back in the day, I was moving great. And I took for granted what I had in my youth so that now that I'm a little bit older, yeah, I had to, I've had to go through some things. But hopefully things were working out great. Every time I talk to him, he's always, Pastor, 
It's going great. And I was teasing him the other day. I said, I think our dear brother, Brother Latimer, because he was given the prognosis of doom and gloom. Oh, you don't know the pain you're going to be in, brother. Oh, you don't know. This is going to be painful. You, I know how you are. And I said, Brother Arnold, I said, I think he's kind of wanting you to suffer there, brother. And you're not suffering. Jesus has brought you through. Amen. But here, when your hospitality is extended, Jesus is saying, listen. He's really talking about to Judas and to his disciples. Because what he says there, even though what Judas is getting ready to do, I don't want you as my followers. I don't want you as my disciples to be discouraged. He says, he who, ate, he who is eating my bread has lifted his heel against me. He's turned against me. And Jesus says, I'm telling you this now. The reason why I'm talking to you now about this is that you won't be discouraged. He says, I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. I am the omega and me. I am he. Ties back to I am. That's who I, I am, the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am. I am. That's who Jesus is. <coughs> Excuse me. He says, I want you to know that before all this takes place, that you know and believe that I am really the Savior. I'm the one. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one who sends me, receives me. And whoever receives me, receives the one who sent me. If they receive you, then, you, then if they receive me, they also receive you. And if they receive you, they're also receiving me. It's a, reciprocal, it's a back and forth. Because I'm the one that's ultimately going to send you. I'm going to commission you. Go you, therefore, into the world, baptizing and making disciples, teaching them to observe all the th things that I have taught you. But I don't want you to be discouraged because here's the thing. While they're seated there at the table, around, the, around this reclining table, and they're all in their positions, and, and, and John is right beside Jesus, and, and, and they're celebrating this time of unleavened bread. While they're there, all this with Judas is taking place. And they really, what we're going to learn is, they misunderstood all that take place. That's why Jesus is telling them, but when you are reminded, when it comes back to you, when the Holy Spirit brings this back to your remembrance and you receive it in the proper context, I don't want you to be discouraged because I'm sending you. And that's what God wants us today. Don't be discouraged when things are going on. And Jesus is right in the midst. This is ironic because we're going to find out that Jesus was troubled in his spirit, and yet in the very next chapter, he could talk about, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Here he is, knowing what Judas is going to do, being disappointed by having someone that's very close to him not get what he's saying, and he becomes agitated, becomes upset. And then in the very next chapter, right off the bat, he says, by the way, let not your heart be troubled. Have you ever had it where somebody close to you has done something to you or somebody close to you has left you and then all of a sudden you, you, you become anxious and stuff? Listen, that's a part of life. But guess what? Take comfort. Be of good cheer. The Lord will fight your battles. He's always on your side. Amen? Jesus, as the, as the Son of God, in his humanity, was, was agitated because he could not 
in his humanity. And I said, all that I have allowed Judas to do, I, I put him in the place of He is seated in the place of honor right beside me at this time. And we just learned a few moments ago, in the previous moments, the early part of the chapter, Satan had entered into Judas to do the very thing that Jesus was possibly hoping that he wouldn't do. It was all on Judas, not on Jesus. He said, I want you to understand, whoever receives me, receives the one who sins, receives me. And whoever receives me, receives the one who sent me. Bottom line is this. So many of us, we love God, but we don't love the emissaries that God sends out. And what he's going to tell us at the end of this section is, you got to love me. Amen? You have to. You have, we, we cannot opt out of this. Because Jesus is going to tell us, if you want to be a part of me and identify with me, then you got to love me and love one another. So after he has said these things, and there it is, verse 21, Jesus is troubled. He's agitated in his spirit. He's like, you know. He just agitated. He has a right to be agitated. And he testifies, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Somebody in here is going to betray me. Now, the question would be, if, 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 if I was just to make that statement, then somebody in here is going to betray me. Everybody's going to be like, yeah, that's the natural question. Well, who is it? Wait a minute. Let me start with my, is it me? <laughs> Am I the one? Well, who is it? You might turn around and start looking at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I know who it is. Well, they don't know who it is. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you. And it's natural. They did what we would probably do. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. They didn't know who he was talking about. Then one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, John, whom Jesus loved. He was reclining. He was relaxing at the table. At Jesus' side, as Simon Peter motions to him to ask Jesus who he's speaking about. So there they are. They're reclining. They're enjoying this feast of unleavened bread. And John, Judas is in his place, and John is in his place. And Jesus makes this statement. Someone in this room, one of one of you will betray me. Hmm. Who is it? John sitting right next to Jesus, reclining. What he does is he leans, he gets, he gets the nod from Peter. Peter's like, you know, gives him a nod. Go ahead and ask him. You know, you ever do that when somebody like, hmm? Mm-hmm. You ever do that? That's what Peter's doing. He's like, okay, John, you're right there. Go ahead and find out who it is. My kids used to, when they were young, they would ask me, did I know people? We'd be walking, we were in Tennessee or on vacation or whatever, or sometimes just walking in Walmart or Kroger, and you see somebody and you don't know who they are, they give you the nod. And you go, how are you? And they would say to me, who's that? I go, don't know. And you don't know who that? No, don't know who it is. They just give me the nod and I... Nod back. Now, in our culture, in our setting, sometimes, Brother Art, you know, you just walk along with two brothers, and you don't know who he is, but you're in a situation like when we were in Tennessee. I didn't see a whole lot of color down there. One time we went on vacation. But finally, we did see some people of color, and they didn't know us, and we didn't know them, and we just went, 
Yeah. In other words, good seeing you. This is what they're doing here. Peter's nodding to John saying, okay, you're right there. Ask Jesus who this might be. And Jesus sighed, so Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. And Jesus said to him, what you are doing, what you are going to do, do quickly. Go ahead, Peter. Ask him. Find out. John leans back and it's not recorded, but Jesus tells him who it is. And the amazing thing is John doesn't speak out to say, it's Judas. They didn't find that out till later. And it's amazing that Jesus even tells him, the guy that I'm going to dip the bread with, the morsel of bread, that's the guy. And he does it, Judas does it, and they still didn't get it. And then at that moment, after he dipped and did, Judas gets up and he goes out. And I like what Jesus said. I say this sometimes myself. I, I pick this phrase up. Whatever thou doest, do quickly. Every now and then somebody's going to say they're going to do something. I say, whatever you're, whatever you're doing, do it quickly. Whatever thou doest, do quickly. Amen? And there's Judas gets up. He walks out. He starts the process of the betrayal of Jesus. And from betrayal to glory. So Jesus, this is, then he did the morsel. Whatever you're going to do, do quickly. Now, no one at the table knew why he said this to him. They thought the reason why he said it is because he was the treasurer. Jesus held the money bag. So they thought, in their mind, they were thinking, well, you know what, he is the treasurer. And we do need some stuff for the Passover. Maybe the reason why Judas is getting up because Jesus tells him, told him to go get the preparations for the Passover. That's what they may have thought. They, didn't, they had no clue that Judas was getting ready to go and sell Jesus for 40 pieces of silver. But they just thought, and that's what it says here. Some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the feast or that he should give something to the poor. We're donating. We're going to do Judas has got the money. Maybe Jesus is going to get him something for the feast or maybe he's going to take it money and he's going out to give it to the poor. Because there was a whole lot of poor at that time gathered in that city. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. He leaves. He goes out. Amen? The fact that Judas never believed in Jesus is, is, is amazing. It really is amazing. John chapter 6, 64 through, 30, 64 through 71 tells you he never believed. He was not a believer which is amazing to be around Jesus and hear the truth of the gospel, to hear the truth of Christ and to see all that he did and not believe. In the context of what we're talking about in John chapter 13, Jesus just talked about being bathed all over for our, glorification, for our 
uh, redemption, our glorification, and then even for our sanctification. And Judas <laughs> missed it. John 13, 10 through 11. How can you be so close to salvation and yet be lost forever? That's a tough thing. Amen? He was held, Judas was held in high regard by all the other disciples. They, 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 they held him in high regard because of his position and because they really believed that he was a part of the group. Amen? And yet, Judas missed it. He was not saved. What happens to people that hang around the church for years and don't ever get it? One of my concerns for our, this church and for all churches is that more people in the body of Christ are willing to live minimal than reach their full potential. And I don't know if it's because we're scared to give Christ our life and say, Lord, here am I, send me. Or are we just content, we are content to serve the Lord as least amount as we can. Don't ask of me to give more, ask me to give less. And I don't understand how we, I, how I or any of us can do that in light of what Jesus has done for us. I mean, saved us, placed us eternally in heaven with him, let alone talk about what he has brought some of us through. Some of us had sickness, some of us had illnesses, some of us had disease, and the Lord brought you through. He brought you through knee surgery. He brought you through some cancer operations. He's brought you. He's brought, and yet and still in our mind, we want to give the Lord less. Not more. We've had family problems. We've had family situations. We've had our grandchildren or, or sons and daughters and things have happened to us. And the Lord brought them through. And yet. In our mind, it just shows you the, the fragile, the, the fickleness of man. In our, in our minds, we don't want to say, Lord, use me to your glory. We want to serve God on our own terms when it's convenient to me. When I have the time, Lord, I want you to be with me always at all times, but I only serve you when I have time. That's not something, and I'm, not talking about, I'm not just talking about us here. I'm talking about across Christianity. I was sharing with somebody yesterday, and they were telling me about all these things that are going on in the community and going on in the church and this and that. And my question was, so how are you going to be part of the solution? Don't tell me about, well, there's right behind showing motors up here, there's a whole, in the woods back there, there's a whole community of homeless people. When we have churches out the wazoo, and we're not doing anything about it. Shame on us! This whole thing with, quote, opioids, it was not a big issue when it was in the black and the Hispanic and all these other communities. It's been there for years. 
There was no, oh my God, we got to panic because this is just taking over our, our country, our state, and our neighborhoods, and our town. It wasn't a big issue then until it finally met other groups of people, and now it's in their neighborhood. Somebody asked me, you know, I said, no, I can't get excited about that because it's been a problem with us for years. Homelessness, health issue, that's not something new. And my question, not just to Cornerstone, but to churches, Lord, what are we willing to do? What are you and I willing to do to show a dying world? See, there's more about Jesus than coming to church on a Sunday, dressing in our suits and ties, and saying, you know, I love Jesus. No. If you watch the life of Jesus, one of the things that characterized him, he ate with sinners, the very people that people despise. Those smelly unclean, you could look at them, see dirt on their face, smell them, they could smell them a mile away, didn't have the nicest clothes, didn't dress right, Then all those things. Those are the people Jesus was with. And the problem in, in, in all of our churches, we want people that look like us. Let somebody walk in, I can, I'll, I'll never forget, as long as I live on this earth, I'll never forget when I was a Growing up at, at Second Baptist and Bible Missionary Baptist Church, I'll never forget Ringo coming in down the aisle Sunday morning, drunk, some just, and pastor would be preaching, here come Ringo. And everybody's like, oh my God, you know, what, what's pastor going to do? Are we going to escort him out to church? Are we going to, you know, what are we going to do? And pastor would be up in the pulpit and Ringo, make it down to the front. Ringo, 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 Ringo. Come on up here, brother. Come on up here, brother. Have a seat right here. Have a seat, brother. Ringo, sit and be quiet. And people, their mouths will drop. Because here is Ringo. What's he doing in the pulpit? He has every, listen, who are you and I to have a, what are we doing here? But be for the grace of God, there be you and I. That's why it's hard. I, I, I find the more I read the Bible, the more I get into the Word, the more I see how messed up I am, the more I'm less likely to judge other people because of what they do or don't do. Because that could be me. That could be you very easily. And here's Jesus. And it, all that he tried to do for Judas, Judas never received it. And here's the danger that happens in most churches. The more we try to do, the more seemingly people don't receive it. In some parts of our mindset, we say, you know what? Folks ain't going to receive it, therefore I ain't going to do it. That's the wrong attitude to take. You keep doing what you do because Christ did it for you. What if he would have gave up on you? gave up on me. He extended to Judas the ultimate opportunity by putting him in a position, by giving him the same rights and authority and power that he gave the other disciples. He was seated at the, a position of authority. He was able to be with Jesus and all that, and yet still he didn't do it. But God, up until the very end, Jesus extended, when he extended to him that morsel of bread, it was giving Judas the last opportunity to say, Judas, you ha I am extending to you as a brother 
even though I know what you're going to do. You can't pull that off unless the, the Spirit of God is in you. Amen? Can't do it. That's why I said it takes the Spirit of God in us for us to do what Jesus is getting ready to tell us. He says, as we're seeing the morsel, he leaves, and when he had gone out, here's what Jesus says, from betrayal to glory. Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, he's talking about God's relationship to him and Jesus' relationship back to his Father. God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him. One Little children, I'm only going to be here a little while. I'm only here for a few more moments, and that was really true, more true than they thought. You will seek me, and just as I told the Jews previously, I'm telling you this now, that where I'm going, you cannot come. Well, I'm getting ready to leave, but where I'm going, right now, you cannot come. Now, I just want you to know. Know what? A new commandment. This is not optional. This is something you got to do. You got to do it. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just I have loved you. You also are to love one another. As I have loved you, you and I are to love one another. To what extent did Jesus love us? He died on the cross for sinners such as you and I. He gave his life. And he says, if you say we love one another, we ought to be willing to give our, give our lives for our brother. Now, that may not mean you have to jump on a grenade and jump in front of a car. But maybe you and I may have to die to ourselves in terms of our time. It's not always convenient. Our abilities... And, oh, Lord, don't say it's so, our substance. Got to give it up. Brother Milt was telling me that there's a family, that I think they said lives in Nubiana. Guy's farmer, a farmer in Nubiana. He had a big farm. And he's going with Bryson up north, Inglewood. So he's, now catch this. This, I hope that's all. He's selling his farm. He's got hundreds of goats, cows and goats. He's got hundreds of them. Nice, nice operation. He's selling that so that he can go to a smaller, get a smaller farm closer to Inglewood because he values being with that church and in that ministry that enough. Huh? I'll just say that again. Huh? That tells me He's all in. It's not about him, the person. It's about you, Jesus. Now, you just sit there. I know some of you are like, no, I'm not saying, I'm not asking you to do that. I'm just showing you the extent to which some people will go because they invested in the kingdom of God and they believe in what's going on. And we can't get, some of us, to get up at 9 o'clock, before 9 o'clock, to get here for Bible school or be here before 10 o'clock morning worship. To God, what? Be the glory. What's that mean? How committed are you and I that we would sell our house because the Lord put it on our heart 
to move, I don't know how many miles from New Vienna to Inglewood or closer to Inglewood, just to be a part of a small, fledgling, up-and-coming ministry. Where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. We don't know it. We don't do it. But there are people that when they die, they leave to the church their estate. They have it all lined out that when I die, not only am I going to take care of my kids, I'm also going to take care of my church or, my, or donate money to this association or donate money to this college or whatever. That's what they believe they, the Lord puts on their heart. Because they are all in. Jesus is a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. That's, that's love. That's love to them. Jesus died for us. He says that you love one another as I have loved you. You also have to love one another. As I loved you, you're to love one another. And you know what? People want, you want people to know you're a Christian? It's not because you wear a suit and a tie. It's not because you have a cross around your neck. It's not because you carry a Bible around. That's not the reason why people know you, are, you and I are Christians. They will know we are Christians. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. You are my followers. You are my imitators. If we show love for one another. If we love one another as Christ has loved us, the world will know that our love is real. Talk about the homeless back there behind showing them all. Talk about the opiate crisis in Wilmington. Talk about this. Talk about that. But where is the church? Guess who the church is? The church is not this building. The church is you and I. We're the church. We're the body of Christ. To what extent are we willing to do that? The call is going to go out. The the, the idea of going out in this neighborhood, we're situated right in the midst of this neighborhood of countless thousands of people, hundreds of people, and we need to get out and tell people, there is a word from the Lord. Your life is messed up. I got the answer for you. His name is Jesus. You're on drugs? He can deliver you. Your marriage is about ready to break apart. He can help that out too. Your kids aren't doing what they ought to be. He can help you out with that too. Your finances are, he can help you out with that. Whatever it is, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there is none other. Jesus is the way. We can't spend enough money for the cause of Christ. We can't give enough time for the cause of Christ. We can't use all of our talents as much as we can for the cause of Christ because that and then so we'll never pay back what Jesus did for us. Amen? Our hearts ought to be breaking when we look at ourselves and say, I've been at ease. I've been at ease in Zion. I've rested on our, we've rested on our laurels. We sat back and we said, well, people are just going to come. No, they're not going to come. They're going to come when you and I get out there and invite them to come. Don't talk to me about, well, Pastor, I've asked a lot of people. They, that, that doesn't mean anything. Keep on asking. Keep on praying. Keep on pushing. Because Jesus already told us, go you, therefore, into the world. That's a command. Go. 
Not go part-time, not go sometimes, not go when it's sunny and warm and comfortable, not when it's hot and cold, but go, 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 go. Keep going, keep going till I come back. Keep doing it, keep doing it. Because in the end, there are chose, there are some people that need to hear the good news of the gospel. Guess what? There are people in your families, mine, that need the gospel. They are on their way to hell because we're not willing to tell them the love of Christ. Not nag them, not bark at them, not preach at them, but share with them there is a better way. Can I pray with you? Can I pray for you? My, I, my love is I want, I, want, I want you to come. My heart breaks because I know that when, if you're not right, don't assume they're right. Know they're right. You need to know that. And here you have Judas, because he went to church, because he one time came down an aisle, because Jesus called him, he missed the whole mark. We are, our hearts ought to be heavy. But the good news is, Jesus loves us. That he saved you. He saved me. And he allowed us the privilege to be a part of kingdom building. Father, we thank you for your word.